What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. Before I come across the table and rip Barry's throat out. Kevin Sherrington. I'm going to say to you what you said to me a while ago. Shut up. Barry Horn. I'm going to bring milk and cookies next week. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about the Rangers. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Rangers Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Hello and welcome into another edition of the Ballsy Podcast as we talk Texas Rangers Ballsy, of course, your morning news podcast. I am Sean Bass of Sports Radio 1310 and 96.7 FM, the ticket, a media partner of the DMN. We are joined here in these studios, these luxurious studios, with the regular hosts of this show, Evan Grant and Kevin Sherrington. Fellas, the season is underway. We have Evan back from a long month in the desert in surprise. And uh, Hated it. A- as we record this... This morning, the Rangers are 0-1 after blowing a 5-1 lead last night, losing to the defending champion Indians of the American League, 8-5. And you uh, Darvish had an up-and-down start. The bullpen had its woes. There were some good things offensively against Corey Kluber, but there's a whole litany of issues we're going to get into today with the beat writer of the Rangers, Evan Grant. We'll go right at it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I have no opening comment. Do, do you want to start game stuff, or do you want to just have some follow-up roster things with the spring? Because I feel like we can go in a number of directions. Uh, I think the opener was a little bit talk-worthy. Let, let's talk a little bit about the opener. A Kevin little was bit? Out there. Kevin was out there with me. Um, he was freezing. Um, the rare night opener. Yeah, you know, I don't, I'm not a fan of the night opener. Baseball, the opening day should be played in the afternoon. It should have been a 2 o'clock start. I hate the 6 o'clock start. It was good for deadline because it was earlier than normal. Good for national TV. Yeah, good for national TV. It was a different day than I'm used to. Now, I've had a couple of night openers on the West Coast when I've covered the team on the West Coast. I, I, you know, as long as the flyover and everything takes place under the sunshine, really how the game takes, gets played doesn't matter that much to me. Um I thought the atmosphere was was great. Tony Beasley singing the anthem. Was, that was, wow, was what fantastic. a job! That, that might have been the high moment of yesterday. He's uh, I could not believe what a good yeah, singer he, he is. He is, and, you know, he's he, done it before. He's he did it once in Pittsburgh, and he's done it several times in the minor leagues. And he 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 sang in a gospel. He sings choir. in a choir, right? Yeah, yeah I remember he, that. He sang in a gospel choir from the time he was about eleven years old. Uh, and uh, I just thought it was a really nice moment for the Rangers to honor him. Think about that getting performance, back though. Into the into the coaching box. There's 48,000 people out there. This isn't just your you know congregation packed right. in the pews. This yeah. is you know national TV. This is all the pomp and circumstance and bunting on opening day. I mean, to stand up and sound better than the bulk of people that are going to sing the anthem at that ballpark this year. That was damned impressive. I wonder if this could lead to something else. Could he, could he get on the Voice? I don't know. I, I think the voice has age restrictions. The voice no. is all about. Oh yeah, that's age discrimination. You could sue over that. No, 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 no. Yeah. You can't. Yeah, yeah. And no, you guys were in the press box, but either. to see the lineup of the Rangers on the first baseline with their hats off, you could see a little redness in the eyeballs, and it was getting dusty down there. Just to know what that guy went through, battle, battling and beating rectal cancer last year, such an well, inspiration for a number of those guys, and to see him stand up on that stage and deliver. I mean, yeah, it's a song, you know, whatever. It can sound a pretty good song, good or bad, but. Yeah. With, with where we're at in this country, where we're at with uh, what he's dealt with, and just all the energy in the the building, 
that was that was one of the more impressive things I've seen lately. He a, a couple of things here. I, I think you know it wasn't just the battle that he went through last year. It was the way he went through it. The guy never looked haggard. This is a guy who went through radiation and chemo uh, and multiple surgeries. He came out of the chemo situation earlier than expected, was at the ballpark. No, he couldn't coach third base. Part of the time he was wearing an ostomy bag. Part of the time he had a, a port in his shoulder, and there were reasons where, why he couldn't coach third base, and also you needed the continuity there. But he was constantly in the clubhouse, constantly uh, in a positive, upbeat, and energetic manner. And you talk to anybody, we've all had people who were close to us who have gone through cancer treatment, and we see what that does to the body. And this guy just never let it get him down. For those players, it was an inspiration. And, and to have him come out there and sing the anthem, to kind of close the door on what he went through last year, I think was, a, was just a really nice touch. And I also thought the way he, he delivered the anthem was straightforward, Nicely paced. There weren't too many big flourishes. He didn't try and make the performance about himself. He tried to make it about the song. It was a strong man delivering a strong performance, yeah. and you could really see that. And you guys were out there, but just seeing it through the well, uh, Kevin's a strong TV. man and de- delivers a strong performance. Yeah, I usually the sing the national anthem in the press box. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no yeah, issue with that. Yeah, they, we're, I'm we're sure John up. Blake doesn't about love the, it. About but. the third or fourth <laughs> inning, I just decided to just go ahead and hit it. You know, it's very awkward for us all to just stand <laughs> yeah. up in the middle of it. Everybody yeah. be quiet. Kevin's going to sing the anthem. That's and then, right. And then after that, if anything, it it got even better because Odor hit home runs in the second and third inning. Carlos Gomez hit a 461 okay. foot monster. Quick question on that: Where did that land? Because I was, I was in studio on TV and the sun was shining in the second deck and we couldn't quite see where the ball. Landed. It was in the second deck. It was in the second deck. It was club level. Uh, I don't I don't know how far how deep it was in the Four, club level. 461. 461 was the measured depth. Only 20 have gone up there. 20 have gone yeah. up there, and the last Ranger to do it was was Nelly Cruz in 2012. Mm-hmm. So you think about that. He he killed that ball. 112 off the bat, according to StatCast. Was that yeah. what it was, 112? Yeah. It had to Which have been is, to go that far. Well, it's right up there with Madison Bumgarner's two home runs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was the new <laughs> Babe Ruth. But, uh, I, you know, it, it – there it is. You're sitting there at the end of three innings. And it's five to one, and it looks like you know Kevin and I. We already had our column idea. I had it written, baby. We were on our way. Um, and uh, then it all went downhill from there. And I think it brought up a lot of the the concerns that you would have about this club. Uh, one of them is that as as high as I've got expectations for you, Darvish, and as good of a pitcher as I think he is, there's still the um, there's still going to be occasions where he struggles with his command, where it may look like he's nibbling a little bit, where he may kind of overthink situations. We saw that as the lead petered away. And then the second part of it is the bullpen, which is now minus really two key guys in Keone Kella uh, due to a, an, an off-the-field situation and Jake Diekman due to a, an injury. That bullpen looked like it was shorthanded last night. And I, I think that Jeff Bannister – you know, he bypassed Tony Barnett. Barnett had gotten up. Twice. Yeah. Bypassed him and went to Bush as soon as he possibly could in the seventh. And I think if you were looking back in retrospect and wanting to second guess on the first game, my, my thought would be, hey, you've got Barnett up. He was your seventh inning guy as the season rolled on last year. Saved Bush for the eighth. You know, saved Dyson for the ninth. As it turned out, Bush worked fine through the seventh. But then 
gave up the home run in the eighth inning. So. I, I will say this about Bush. You know, first of all, you know, the guy's throwing 98, and, and he's got a and he's got a great, you know, changeup. You know, th- this is a guy who should be striking people out. I don't believe he struck anybody out last night. He did not night. strike anybody out. He gave up a ball out there in the left center track that Carlos Gomez made a very nice play on. So right from the very beginning, I, and I had no problem. And the, the third out was the fly ball to the right field track. Yeah. Right? yeah. I had no issue it's with good lineup. at that. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty good lineup. I had no, and, and they were short two guys, uh, Jason Kipnis and Lonnie Chisenhall, so two left-handed batters. The thing that that that, that – game last night that just always reinforces for me when I watch Darvis pitch is for a guy with all the ability he has and seemingly all the confidence he has because he's very we talk about Tony Romo's uh attitude around the media Darvish is, is always kind of like boy I'm just putting up with this uh but he just cannot resist tinkering and the thing that came up last night was he said yeah, I was throwing off the first base side of the rubber. This is something he was doing this spring. I'm sure that there was some probably that Doug Brokale had an idea that this is maybe a good idea. And he said, the next time I'm going back to the third base side of the rubber. That was weird uh, for him to say that after one game. Because it, I, it, it was, but it, but it is also who he is. And I think that, that when you look at a guy who has that kind of ability – you need to just have confidence in what you do, and as we know, he came over here with what twenty six pitches, and uh, and and you know they've got him to get rid of uh, of the splitter, and for pretty much the, he's getting rid of the cutter. Uh, he, he, you know, when you can throw ninety five, because he in the, in that seventh inning, uh, that first pitch to was it Ramirez who he, he Ramirez swung and missed at a ninety five mile an hour fastball. He's throwing ninety five in the seventh of his first start. So this tells you. And, and and he's getting close to 100 pitches. Right. He ended up with 98. Well, and that's because he had a 10-pitch sixth, which granted it was some hard contact hit right at people. But he needed that bounce back inning after, what, a 25-pitch right. fifth inning where his fastball command just left him. And right. A- Abraham Almonte was a real pest in the nine hole. Uh, to everybody. In the opener. But, man, you can – and. Evan, you know this. You see every start of his. You can tell when you doesn't have his fastball command, as he even says in his postgame comments via his translator, he yanks his four-seamer. And you can see that happening a number of times last night, especially in that fifth inning. And, again, but the thing he probably me, thinks he has to tinker, Kevin. The thing well, for me is you know, he gets out of that fifth inning jam, that bases loaded jam with nobody out, gets the double play ball on weak contact on an 0-2 pitch that, that a, a very good hitter Francisco Lindor chases its outside of the zone. Mm-hmm. I think he executed that pitch exactly where he wanted to, elevated and out of the zone. And then he gets the he gets the final out of the inning on a ground ball. And, and I'm thinking, okay, he's now turned turn the corner. The seventh inning, you said 95 mile an hour with the fastball. Then the run that scores in the seventh inning scores on a pretty wicked slider for a strikeout. That Jonathan right. Lucroy can't can't corral. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think there was anything wrong with his stuff last night. I think there were some times he he lost confidence in certain. I things. think he did, and that's the thing. That, the point I'm trying to make is that usually when when use tinkerings in the first inning, you know, he he has a 13 pitch first inning in which he strikes out two guys yeah. after giving up the walk. The One court. was a filthy slider. Oh, absolutely. So I'm thinking this is no hit stuff. This, I'm thinking that, that you can usually tell with him. When he's that good in the first inning, wow! This is going to be. This will go on. We'll see what happens here. Uh, this this could be really good. And then I just believe that his his confidence is shaken too easily. And I and I think that that's the thing he needs to work on. Is that uh, you know what? Uh, here it is. You hit it if you can. 
And and I, and I I think he too much thinks I have to come up with the perfect pitch that is there's no way anybody can. Because hit in this. Japan he had a bigger margin for error. Oh sure. And yes. he comes here and he understands. Wow, I don't have this margin, so I need to be so precise. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's like grabbing a bar of soap. You hold it tighter. Yeah, the, and that's not the, listen. That's not the kind of pitcher he is because when you throw with the kind of stuff he has. But the issue is the stuff moves so much. Right. And so it's, it is difficult to control a little bit. And that's when you have to kind of just throw it down the middle and let that late break take it out of the strike zone. I think he, too many times he starts his pitch on the corner thinking that this is going to be right on the corner. At the last second, it's going to go. It's going to drop out of the strike zone, and there's no way this guy could hit it. What he has to understand is that sometimes just because you throw a ball down the middle, then it breaks, and it breaks just enough the guy gets weak contact. And the hitter will get himself out. You know, yes. you look you look at – Anybody's strike zone charts, whether it's Brooks Baseball or Fangraphs or, or even the MLB.com, and there's nine quadrants of the strike zone. And I, I think Doug Brocale's perspective with his pitchers has been, yeah, there's one real danger zone, but I think our guys have, for, for the last however long here in Texas, have operated with the idea that there are only two parts of the strike zone that you can get to, down and away, low and away. And I think he wants guys to use the – the, the entire zone. Use the whole donut. Use the whole thing. Yeah. Don't don't just don't just look for those two little quadrants, and don't be afraid to throw balls up and out of the zone as well. Yeah. Um, I I I do think that 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 is part of you know Darvish feels like they've got to be unhittable pitches on occasion, and yeah. and he does run into he does run into some trouble with that. We all see reaction on Twitter uh, from frustrated fans, and I don't know if you guys heard George Dunham, my coworker, this morning, hosted the Dunham and Miller show on the ticket. Before the Romo news came down, they were talking about last night, and he's very frustrated with the player that you Darvish is, and he puts him in the good, not great category because of a night like last night where off the bat he has a stuff, there's a wobble, and he just can't ever find his command consistently the rest of the night with five walks. And because it's, I don't know, opening night, the national stage, I think certain fans like George look at a frustrating start like that, whether it be in the postseason or a big primetime game, and it's not – Everything you want out of an ace, therefore that paints him as, you know, this this flawed great player that's going to get thirty million dollars this offseason. And yet, he went deeper into the game than Corey Kluber, mm-hmm. who's their ace. Yeah, who he he threw fewer pitches in more innings than Corey Kluber. But did. Kluber settled that game down. He retired eleven of his last twelve, and he, he was did. a big reason they won that game. But you're right. People forget that, and everybody just looks at our team, and look. we look at our own paper and go, oh, we, I'm so frustrated with this thing that I expect to be perfect. Corey Kluber, you know, I would rather have Corey Kluber than you, Darvish, at the, at the top of my rotation personally. I think he's that good, and he well, had I mean, a rough Corey night. Kluber has a Cy Young Award to, right. his, to his resume. Already. And and a great postseason. Yeah. I, I, but I, I, I'm, I'm, I've been on record saying this. I, I will reiterate it again. I think that this year is going to be a monster season for Darvish. Uh, I'm not going to judge anything off of an opening day start. No. Particularly when it's a guy's first opening day start. And, yes, I knew he started five in Japan. Okay? You don't do it with, with necessarily 48,000 people. You don't do it with flyovers. You you know, the pageantry here is, is beyond a spectacle. And – this is uh, this is a guy that 
I don't want to use the word sensitive, but I, this is a guy who, as we just talked about, there's times when he questions his confidence. I think there's probably times yesterday where he's, am I good enough to do this? You know, I think there is. And, and But here's the thing, too, and this is what I wrote. Uh, from the, but you didn't write <coughs> that the Rangers should trade him right no, now. No, I did not say that. <laughs> no, not, not right now. Let's give it a couple of months. No, <laughs> but I, somebody I, did. I said, is that right? Yes. Oh, you're gosh. kidding, really? Uh, oh, I, I know who you're talking about. But, but, but my, my point is that that was not a bad start for opening day. You know, it was he was to me. He was in line to win. He was good enough. He was good enough. He had a quality start going on the seventh inning. Absolutely, it's it's, it's good enough. The, the bullpen uh, blew the game. There's 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 no ifs, ands, or buts about bullpen that. bullpen blew the game, and the offense shut down. Yeah, yeah offense shut down after they got a nice. You know, here was the thing too about that that was so surprising to me was I thought I saw so many good at bats early in the game. You know, from people from Carlos Gomez, from Ruggie Odor. You know, from guys that you know, especially Odor. I got. I thought last night was perfect. I mean, I think at one point when he hit the, one of the home runs was on. A, was it on full count? Yeah, the, the first home run he fell down 0-2, worked the count full, then homered. Yeah. The second, the second at bat, first pitch, got first a fastball pitch. that was kind of away, allowed him to extend a little bit, but it was up. Uh, and then the third at bat, which he struck out in, was a ten pitch mm-hmm. at bat that I thought was a really impressive uh, at bat for him. I thought he had a really good night at the plate. Beyond just the two home runs, oh, absolutely! I, I thought it was the way he he approached the at bats and 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 understanding that you know you can't just go up there and swing out of your shoes from from the minute you're walking. To, if he's gonna to if he's fight. gonna take that kind of approach the rest of the season, he's gonna hit 35 home runs. He's gonna his uh, his OBP is gonna go from like what was it 290 last I think year? It was 297. Yeah, whatever. It, it'll go up to about 320. Uh, if he keeps that up, 330 maybe even. Uh, he's going to get more than 19 walks, which is all he had last year. And he's going now he's going to be in the conversation with all the second – because there are a lot of great second basemen. In the well, and this was the conversation I had with Mike Napoli before the game last night because we were just we were talking about, you know, facing the Indians and, and the fact that your last game had been with the Indians. It was game seven of the World Series. It's a kind of a weird situation. It's not just, hey, you're facing your old teammates yeah. again. Um <clears throat> And then we, we we started talking. You know, he's been in this situation before, and and the year before, um, uh, when he was with Boston, uh, or, or with with Cleveland last year, they opened with Boston, and he had pretty much spent most of 2015 with Boston before that that late that late trade to the Rangers. So it was a little bit similar. But then we just kept talking, and it, it just dawned on me that he's played over the last six years next to Kinsler at second base, next to Dustin Pedroia at second base, wow. and next to Jason Kittness at second base. And I, I said, what's your comparison of this guy to these other three? And he said, you know, they were all further along in their career. And these are three elite second bases. Right. Uh, you know, you add Cano and you add Altuve, and, and that's that's the five best second baseman maybe in the game. Yeah. Um, this is the golden era of second base. Yes, it really is right now. It, it, it is another golden era of second base. And then, and he said, you know, they were farther along, but this guy has everything that they had. You know, Dustin, he said, Dustin eats, drinks, and craps baseball. You know, he sleeps baseball. You can say crap on the podcast, can you? I can say crap. I can't say what Mike Napoli actually said. Wow. <laughs> but, um, you know, he talked about the passion. We've seen Dustin Pedroia's passion for the game and the way he approaches the game, the way he prepares for the game. We've seen that play out for over a decade now. Uh, same thing, I think, holds true for Kipnis. And I think the same thing holds true for Kinsler. You know, I, I realize that people in Texas may have a, 
unflattering opinion of Ian Kinsler. At this he's kind of the time. Tony Romo of uh, second baseman for but, the for the Rangers. Fans. You know, he's a Gold Glove second baseman who you know with a three forty on base percentage, and and when it's all said and done, I think Ian Kinsler's still got an outside shot at making the Hall of Fame. I mean, he's going to be flirting with close to three thousand hits. I think when it's all said, how old is he? Maybe a couple postseason runs wouldn't hurt. Right. Yeah. Uh, a old, couple more. How old is he now? Thirty two. Yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going it, it, to it's play an another shot. seven, eight years probably. Yeah. Yeah. Pilot but numbers. Those three guys are, are part of the gold standard. And Napoli said, this guy has everything that they have. He wants so hard to be good. He's so genuine in how he works at things. Uh, and the Rangers have challenged him. You know, you need to be not more patient and not more disciplined. Just more selective. And Decide. what a bargain. $8.25 million a yeah, year no with, with that deal. I mean, yeah. a couple years down the road, we'd... Hell, he might want to renegotiate. Well, the people were saying somebody brought up the at the press conference afterwards about his contract and whether that would have an effect or before the game. Before the game. Before the game about it. That it's like, what do you, what do you mean? He's, he's making forty nine man over over six he years. He's most excited about horses from the yeah. Deal, this is say. this is not like he got a hundred and fifty million dollar deal. <laughs> and I, I asked Chip Bannister after the game. You know, in, in talking for the column that I ended up writing, I asked him about like, you know, you've been asked this question like four or five different ways about how will the contract impact Odor, and you've tried to answer it with a straight face, but. I think the impression that everybody got was like, are you kidding me? You're asking this question about this guy? Yeah. You know, this guy, what's he shown to you to indicate that he would ever get that he would ever get lazy? Yes, I will say this. He came in after that first year after 14 and started 2015 was very rough on him. And I think he got down on himself. I don't think he ever got lazy. I think he got down on himself and thought, Maybe maybe I've lost some confidence. And they challenged him to go back and be be the guy that you are. And he can always draw from that moving forward, knowing Absolutely. that he dealt with that demotion the way he did. And I don't I mean, I don't think there's any looking back after that. Oh no, no. It's so good that and obviously there's a lot of chips in the middle of the table for seventeen with Darvish and Hamels and LaCroix, who you're probably not gonna have you and LaCroix after this year. I don't think you're gonna have either of them. But you ex- I'm Really? With you. I'm no. with you. No not on LaCroix. Why is that? Uh LaCroix uh, Yadier Molina <laughs> just got $20 million a year for three years. LaCroix's not going to get at, 20, at age 34, so you age know 34. somebody's going to give LaCroix four or five. He's going to get four or five. That, that That's my point. I don't think he's going to get the same annual value. I don't think he's going to get $20 million a year. But he's going to get what Brian McCann got three years ago, seven, five at 85. He's going to get what Russell Martin got, five mm. at 82. He's 30 years old. He's going to get a five-year deal, and it's going to be way above the Rangers' comfort. But then that was another bad trade. Uh, a year, I, a year I can't, and a half I can't argue guy. with division titles and giving yourself a chance in the postseason. As, as a fan, I can't ever and, look and down and at the front a second year of control. You know, I mean, they, they, it was not just a rental. It gave them another year with an all-star catcher, put them in position. Was that's if, that, that's if they win this year. But if they right. don't win this year. Then it, it comes back to bite you. It does. Yeah. And, that, and that's a problem. And, I mean, that's, that's the very narrow straight that they're in right now is, look, they've traded a lot of guys away to continue to churn this, this – uh, this window of opportunity, and and to keep it open. But at some point in time, there's going to be a price due. But they're building the frame of a new window down the road with Odor. Obviously, they would like to maybe get something done with Mazzara to get him through his arbitration years. Elvis's contract, I think, is aging nicely. I know a lot of people were down on it a few years ago, but as the salaries go up and his performance last year and what we saw last night with a couple of As the market goes, knocks, it's not a terrible contract. No, no. His contract looks bad. So you have yeah. a young nucleus. It's just a question of when will that pitching get here. And that's that's a giant question. And as we talk about arms, I do want to get to the bullpen. And yeah, they they screwed that game up last night. And there is real apprehension because Deakman's out and Keone Kella 
for whatever reason, was demoted to start the year. And I know you probably have more insight on this, Evan, because at a B game, apparently, he was, you know, for lack of a better term, half-assing it at the end of the spring. And some veterans got really upset with how he was uh, not comporting himself as a professional. But, okay, if that happened one time, you could see how that could just be a one-off thing. But apparently there's some backstory about how he's an edgy character and he doesn't always get along with everyone it appears that there has been more than one once one occasion when veterans have either talked to him or confronted him um haven't had a chance to talk to Keone since this since this demotion I think that um my again we you know go back to the Cowboys podcast my interactions with him and my experience with him is that this is a guy who works really hard, who's overcome a lot in his life, and has made himself a very uh, attractive power arm with a good hammer of a breaking ball who could be a closer at some point in time. But I also think, you know, when you're 23 years old, just like we talked about Odor a minute ago, sometimes there's, there's a learning process. He's facing the same thing in some ways that Odor is for a little bit different reason. Uh, the question is, how does that? How does he react to it? Yeah, that'd be my question because when, when the, the question came up, uh, you know, has he reported yet? He has seventy-two hours to do that, the, and, and the clock started on Friday. Is that the range, my information was that, and this came out after the the media availability, but he was given. He was told, "We want you there on Tuesday." He agreed on Tuesday. He agreed to be there on Tuesday. There were no issues. There have been no issues since the demotion. So um, I expect that he will be there. I will double-check on that today, but was told he would be there today and that that was the original plan. Let me yeah. ask you guys this. There was talk of the Rangers possibly shopping one of their relievers in the offseason. Then the news about Jake Diekman comes down with the colitis and having, having to have surgery. That probably cools off a lot of the, you know, dealing one of those pieces talks. If, say, the Diekman thing doesn't happen and – I don't know, their bullpen's in a little bit better shape than it is right now. Could an instance like this even prompt JD and company to pull a trigger on moving him? Yeah, I believe so. Oh, I think I think But regardless. because the state the bullpen's in now, you actually need a guy with his upside, so you sort of begrudgingly say, Okay, we're gonna hang on to you and turn this into a teaching. I wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a quick trigger, but I think if you felt like he went down, didn't respond, that we bring up Odor. Odor Odor responded very well to being sent down mm-hmm. and did a great job. And I remember I went down and saw him play in one of those games and one of the things that uh, that really impressed me was that because back then he was trying to yank everything, you know, a dead pull hitter. And he went to left field a couple of times in that game. So it showed you that he was willing to work on these things. Now, is Keone Kella going to work? Apparently, what he needs to work on is his attitude. Is he going to work on that attitude when he's down there? I, I think when he goes down and you see however long he's going to be down, I wouldn't say it would, I'm sure it wouldn't be very long, uh, that if he doesn't show an ability, some, some contrition, and then the ability to, to move on past that, yeah, I think they. I think they will. I don't know this for a fact, but I've heard from others that are close to the different levels of this, the the organization that he might have some emotional issues that, you know, he has to continually, you know, rein in. And if it's a medical anything, don't you have to extend him more leash if that is in fact the case? Yeah, I am. I I think that. And again, I'm just speculating, but this is just secondhand information I've, I've heard absolutely and I don't I, I don't want to get into any theories there on on anything that uh, you know if there has been an outburst do we immediately put that into an emotional issue mm-hmm. I, 
I do think that here's here's the deal. Rangers have sent him down. I think that the club is taking some some time to see how he reacts. I think the club will also probably uh, at some point have some further conversation with the veterans. Um, this club doesn't want to trade him. They certainly don't want to trade him at a discounted rate, and I think that anybody right now uh, that would be interested in him would only want to pay a discounted rate for him. Um, and, and and so I, I think for the for at least the short term, the idea is let's see how everything how everything kind of plays out at AAA. Let's see how he reacts. The question still remains: What happens if Keone felt like he was mistreated by by some veterans or was taken advantage of by veterans? Uh, if the veterans feel like Keone um, was unprofessional and that there's been a history of of, of being unprofessional. The question is going to be what happens, not what happens at AAA. The question is going to be what happens when you bring him back in. Is he the new Vicente Padilla? Well, I, I he was not Vicente, liked in that room. I, I cited Vicente Padilla in the in the story I wrote last night. I cited Padilla and I cited um, uh, Milton Bradley as, as two guys who you know were were not terribly. I loved well his liked. board games though; they were great. <laughs> Boy, um, that's some low hanging fruit. Yeah, that's well, you know, that's very, it's that's often the such, sweetest. That's a very <laughs> joke right there. Yeah. Um, uh, and and look, they put up with Vicente Padilla for three years before before they finally. But that said, was out of necessity, much like the bullpen well, right now. You and he was would a starter. But the other the other part the other part of that is that they eventually released Vicente Padilla, and they they basically didn't play Milton the second half very much because he didn't want to play. Mm-hmm. Um, with Keone, you're talking about a guy who's got closer stuff and who's got an entire future ahead of him. Do you want to give that up for absolutely nothing? Can we talk closer real quick? I know we're probably up against it a little bit. No, we're, we're fine. We all need to eat lunch at some point. Uh, but Sam Dyson, after, I'll dare say, an electric uh, performance in the World Baseball Classic with nine scoreless Brilliant all spring. innings. And, yeah, he was really good. But last night, the sinker wasn't sinking quite well enough. And, obviously, that's a really good Cleveland lineup, so we need to keep that in mind. But he gives up three runs on four hits and doesn't get out of the ninth. And, again, you can go back to the whole well, closer in a tie game. Is it a different mindset? Blah, blah, blah. I don't really think that's – I think that's a little overblown personally. But And just a knee jerk after one game, let's talk leash. Is it a similar, like, Sean Tolleson leash that he had last year with Jeff Bannister? I don't think so. I think be, I think the question with Sean Tolleson was all how did he do it in, 19, yeah, in 2015? You the know, changeup was, was great, and then he, and he lost the, the feel for the changeup, and he was never the same. And the that. fastball was yeah, Very average. mediocre, yeah. It was average. But the plus know? sinker, you think – Game to game, that could be a, Dyson? a plus pitch for could, Dyson, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the fastball, he's got more And, and Dyson, you know, I mean, Dyson's fastball is a 95-mile-an-hour fastball. Mm-hmm. Tolleson was 92-93, and we've seen Tolleson. He's on the DL now with Tampa Bay. I saw him throw in a spring training game on TV, and he was 85-86. So, so wow. there's some arm issues there. Um, but Dyson, I think Dyson's got more weapons to get out of games. He's got some swing and miss stuff. Uh, for a guy who is such a high ground ball rate guy, he's got you know a decent strikeout per nine rate. I just think, listen, I'm not going to talk leash after game one with anybody. I thought it was a really nice game for Odor. I thought it was a really nice game. Went under kind of a little bit under the radar for Elvis. He had the yeah. double and the triple. Hit all four balls hard. I, I, I was really impressed with with how much authority he hit the ball with. Um, not so much for Profar. Wasn't a great game Not for Profar, but I, I'm, I'm, you know, and it, it wasn't. 
I thought Joey Gallo had a really good at bat, you know, for yeah. a guy who basically made the team at the last minute and there was going to be a lot of pressure on don't, you know, are you going to strike out? Da, 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 da. But I'm not going to sit here and, and, and evaluate uh, situations based off of the opening game because it is just such a crapshoot. Now, yeah. but I bring up I bring up the Dyson thing because I think there is a level of concern within the fan base because. Sam Dyson's not Craig Kimbrell circa 2014. I mean, well, and, he's not and you have he other was. options. You have you have uh, Jeffress and Bush who could, of course, you Bush could easily see close games. And you have Bannister who does tilt towards analytics. And Dyson's thrived in a setup role here before. I think it's not out of the question to at least entertain the idea of okay, what if these things keep happening? Which you know, bullpen well, pieces, you can have a bad year. Well, I think if 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 everything if things keep happening, certainly you know at some point in time. Uh, there is going to be, uh, there's going to be, you know, the thought of a change, and and Bush is sitting right there, and every, you know, every fan that looks at the uh, at the screen or looks at the scoreboard sees ninety eight, sees ninety nine, and they fall in love with that. It's kind of backup quarterback uh, syndrome, where everybody wants to see the backup quarterback start because they don't know, you know, they, the, what you don't know is always better than what you do know. And but many times the ninth inning isn't the most high-leverage inning. That is correct. And, and that's, that's why that's you want Matt Bush. And that's what we're learning, and that was, you know, certainly what Andrew Miller did in the playoffs last year was show you a guy. God, last that, night. Yeah, and last night, for, for, for sure. <laughs> but a guy who can go multiple innings. And I think, to me, uh, we, we're still trying to find out about Matt Bush, uh, about exactly what he can do. And his velocity has dropped on back-to-back days. But he is also the kind of guy who can give you multiple innings, I mm-hmm. think. And to me, that's a very attractive option. And and I've frankly, uh, now he did not have a good night last night either. But I would frankly would be better. I would feel better for the Rangers to think that this is a guy I can bring in in the seventh. He can go seventh and eighth if I want to, and that's what they did. That's what they're with, trying with to do. And that's out, what they'd yeah. like to do. Yeah. I mean, they they you know this Jeff Bannister made a big deal during spring of using all those guys for two innings, and that he wanted to occasionally be able to have that opportunity, and and to be able to do it, it's going to require a very efficient first inning of yes. work. Uh, and he needed to see these guys weren't going to have a real drop off in velocity from one inning to the, to the next. But I also think on opening day, when you get to the seventh inning, you've got Barnett, you know, and you, you've you got Barnett, you've got Bush, you've got Dyson. You can get through uh, hopefully one inning apiece with each of those guys efficiently and have them for another day. And you've also got an off day sitting up there on Thursday. So if you do have guys pitch back-to-back here in that first week, it's not like a real heavy workload. You've got, got the off day on Thursday, and then you've mm-hmm. got an off day on Monday. Yep. Yeah. So now, also we're having this week, and I thought this was interesting that the manager uh, said this right away yesterday uh, was that uh, there's going to be a different guy starting in left field pretty much every day, uh, just for this first series. Yeah, but um, still, even at that, he didn't say who it was going to be tonight. Who's it going to be on Tuesday? Tonight, um, my like Carrasco for Cleveland. Yeah, my guess is that it will be Rua tonight. Um, I, I believe Carrasco is is tough to run on. Um, so I think if he's looking for some kind of separator, that may be it. Um, neither Ruer or DeShields really have any numbers uh, against uh, Carrasco to speak of. I'm going to guess that that they just feel like Ryan will be a better matchup based on, on Carrasco's stuff. Um, and those are the things he's going to look for. He's going to look for 
any little edge that that he can find. Clearly, last night he thought he had one with Profar and and um, a nice game that Profar had last year against Kluver. It didn't it didn't play mm-hmm. out, and that's you know that's the number that. When you use such small samples, a lot of times that's that's what you end up with is it evens out. Um, but uh, my guess would be that, that the Shields will get the start on, on Wednesday. Um, and, you know, the Shields will be in the lineup uh, in some fashion uh, when they face lefties. Uh, I think that you're going to see more often right now early in the year, you're going to see a right, a right field situation where no more Mazar gets some days off against against left-handed pitching so that you can have an all right-handed hitting outfield with Rua, Gomez, and DeShields. But, go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say, uh, the, the thing that uh, I thought was promising about Mazar last night, too, was the, the double was to left center. Uh, and when he's really uh, hitting well, that's what he does, uh, uses the full field. And, um, uh, you know, this conversation came up last spring. Uh, what were, were we? It must have been spring training. And I don't know if you asked the question or not, but Eric Nagdell was sitting there with us, and he said, um, someone asked the question, if you could pick any Ranger to start a team with, who would you pick? And I said, Odor, and, and Eric said, uh, Mazzara. Uh, I think I'm looking good with the Odor pick. I, and, and I think that, I, I think Eric's perspective on Mazzara was that Mazzara was, a, was probably a better fielder at his position. Um Range is is decent. Arm is 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 good. Odor has had some rough spots as a fielder, and 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 uh, and I think he thinks and that Mazar is a more refined hitter. They're Mazzar's probably the two was... best players when they open the new park. Yes, on the roster. Yes, yes. yes. I think so. Well, Mazar is a more refined hitter. That that was the second part of my uh, and and there's no question about that. But I just think the ceiling with Rugi is so high. When you got it in that kind of package, I mean, look at Jose Altuve. When he, and I'm not saying he's going to be Jose Altuve. I think he's got more pop than Altuve does. But um, he's not going to hit uh, for average like uh, Altuve does. But, you know, this is a guy that the, that the Astros gave up on once, and he, came, he, he wouldn't go home. You know, so uh, look how far he's come. If you get the same kind of curve on Odor going out here, I, I really do think the sky's the limit with this guy. Oh, I, I do too. And I, I think I just like the way he moved around the bag yesterday too. I, yeah, I, very I, nice backhand um, and throw uh, at some point. It was a weird hop on a charge too yeah. on a ball on, on the lip of the dirt. But the thing, the thing is he went after balls, and yeah. that's what the Rangers want to see him do is they felt like there were too many times last year where he laid back on balls and, and let, as we all were told when we were in Little League, don't let the ball play you. You know, kind of, kind of didn't create. And that the happened hop with Elvis last night yeah. on his error. Absolutely, Elvis does that, and yeah. and he still does that. And that's the unfortunate thing for for all. He needs to hit. Elvis needs to hit three hundred. Yeah, because defensively, he's not a marquee talent. Elvis needs to Elvis needs to reach base at a three forty rate. Yes, he that's does. That's what he needs to do. Um, if he does that, hitting in the ninth spot or the eighth spot in the lineup, you can live um, with fifteen errors I, if he's doing that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I will say this, you know, the, the error was a downside for him. But, boy, he, he hit the ball really well. Four, you don't see a guy come to the plate and make con- hard contact four consecutive at-bats, and he did that last night. Before yeah. we get out of here, I do want to talk about uh, Cashner and Ross. I went to the exhibition Friday night and watched Cole look great, and then Cashner pitches the final three. I didn't see it because I had the kids with me. We had to go home because, hey, they're little. They had to go to bed. But all reports were good life. And very efficient with with his stuff. Was very efficient. I think the velocity was not exactly where the Rangers would like to see it. There was some movement there, 
but I, I still think that Doug Brokale and Jeff Bannister's approach here is going to be just as it was with Adrian Beltre. Let's not worry about the first five days or the first one start. Let's worry about the, the larger picture. And I think they'd like to see they'd like to see the velocity come up another tick. Uh, before they're ready to to um, to put him in a major league game. So, how many Dylan G or Nick Martinez fifth starts are we going to get before Kashner? You might just get you might just get one before before you get Kashner back. I I, I think that the first time you need the fifth starter is April fifteenth. Uh, I think that you're looking at either the twentieth or the twenty fifth for for a realistic Kashner return. And ten days after that, you might have Tyson Ross. Um, so if they if they can get through April, uh, they might have their full rotation back uh, to start the beginning of May, and I think it's important that they that they not only survive this April. They've got a lot of home games in April. Um, the schedule is going to get tough in the middle of the season. I think they need to they need to get off to a decent start, a, an above five hundred start for April. Um, I think I had them picked at 15 and 10 or 14 yeah, and 11 yeah I, they need to be above 500 at the end of this month and houston's going to be good we saw keichel look way better than he did last year last night and then king felix leaves that game with a groin drew smiley's going to be down for a while i think a lot of the uh, shine that a lot of the prognosticators had on seattle heading into the year that went away pretty quickly in a matter of like yeah. three days for seattle well let's see listen uh every year they're trying to sell seattle on us and and Kevin hates seattle. And i and i get it because there's actual talent on well, that roster i can't, but, ex- I can't explain but why it, they don't win but until they actually put it together we shouldn't take them seriously no, i mean you know because they got king felix at the top of your rotation there's not too many in all these years they've had him so i know they haven't had much depth in their rotation that's that's for sure and they haven't had uh, always had a good bullpen but he's either. not what he was then they had no, no offense. He's not. now they've got now they've got a good offense and King Felix and has, they have a I very good right. defense Craw- uh, he has crested that that the, the top of that that wave um but you would think with with Felix and Iwakuma and a healthy Smiley and Paxton uh, but that's a question mark too because everybody's really high on Paxton if you read fan but graphs he's never but healthy. yeah so he's got to put it together um, yeah. I, no I think there's enough questions in this division that I think the Astros should be the favorite uh, to win this division, and that's the way I picked them. I, I picked the Rangers second. I, I, I see Seattle. I don't see the, the, anybody's excitement over the Angels. I don't understand how. I, I know some people are projecting them second. In the you division. have to squint and tilt your head to think their rotation is going to be okay. Oh my I am, gosh! I, I mean, Shoemaker's am, fine, but outside of that, there's a lot of question marks. I think Garrett Richards will be fine too. Coming back from the injury, yeah, I think okay. he'll be fine. I, I, he may not be, you know, he may not be an eighteen-game winner, but I, I think he'll be fine. But I, I do feel like that some of the analytic sites that that lean to the Angels, I feel like there is something in their formulas that has a Mike Trout bias. <laughs> yeah, and he's what's well, a pretty good Trout bias to have. So he's good. the best player in the game. There's Over no last night, that. but again, it's still a te- ultimately it's a team game, yeah. and I feel like. I don't know how you would ever go about proving that empirically, but there is no reason for you. To, I, I mean, Albert Pujols is going to is going to fall apart at some point in time, and there he's shown over the last. He's been years. falling apart now for about six years. You know, I mean, but even if right, there's not enough in that lineup and in, in that bullpen to make them. I know, agree. An over 500 team, like a lot of those <laughs> websites are predicting. No, right? I don't. I don't see it either. And, and I tell you what, it really is a shame for Mike Trout. Uh, for a guy who's as great a player as he is, uh, it would be nice to see him on the big stage. 
you know, in the in a World Series. Well, that farm system's so bad that it would behoove them to just make that trade. And, I, I know and hit that. The and, and my son brought that up the other day. But don't you trade that? And, and I said because nobody wants to trade Mickey Mantle. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to trade Babe Ruth. This is the greatest player of his generation. And to, to, to say in a big market like Los Angeles, with Artie Moreno, all the money that he has, that you screwed up. It's one thing for the Red Sox to sell Babe Ruth to the Yankees. It's another thing when you you are the Yankees essentially, and you you can't win with it. You can't put a team around him. That's just and they're still paying for those mistakes. Oh. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. What do you want to see this next week? Uh, If somebody's tuning in on a Tuesday or Wednesday, by this time next week, what are you looking forward to on this homestand? I would like to see a couple of sharp outings from the bullpen um, because I do think there is reason right now for there to be some doubt about the bullpen because of what we knew going in that Diekman was going to be out for a while uh, and the situation that arose with Kella. And now you've had two guys that that are your core members have poor debuts. So I would like to see the bullpen rack up a couple of of, of good, uh, clean innings and uh, protect a couple of leads. And I know I'm a big baseball dork, but I'm really excited that the Rangers are on the main stage with the Mavericks and star seasons coming to an end with no postseason. Yeah, I'm looking forward timing. to reading you, Kevin, and you, Evan, and Jerry Fraley, and oh, well, I, all of our scribes here at the Morning News that uh, – provide excellent coverage and if i could somehow geek out with you guys on the podcast down the road i would love to do that thank you sean we, uh, we'd love to have you back doing this uh, but i i will say this the rangers it may be ranger season but i think the next three months will be dedicated to what happened with tony romo yeah. and his broadcasting prep and the today. draft less than a month away oh i tell you get what, your box ready i, I I'm, I'm i'm i hope that tony's doing this i hope this is a, a you know an irrevocable decision because I, frankly, I want that for him, but I want that for us. You can't stand the idea that we'd have to write another series. Oh, of- my gosh. Enough is enough. Yes. Well, um, that'll do it. Let's eat some lunch, guys. Beautiful. That'll be great. All right. There's Thanks, Evan Grant. He's Kevin Sherrington. I'm Sean Bass of Sports Radio 1310 and 96.7 FM. The Ticket. This has been the Ballsy Podcast. Like it. Favorite it. Do whatever you have to do on the social webs. And uh, we'll talk to you down the road. Thanks for listening to the Rangers Ballsy Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya.